Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.47 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 26th of September, 2023. This is episode 800 of Bitcoin and, wow, 800, 800 shows. That's a lot of show. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Stream me Satoshis. That's the easiest way to do it. You can do that on any new, actually new podcasting app. Not that legacy crap. You can go get them at podcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com. Com. The Wild Hustle, thank you for 420. Uh, it's a good, it, it's always 420 in my world, except that I haven't smoked pot in so long. I can't even, I, I don't even remember, honestly. It's just something that I used to do it in high school, but now I'm like, eh, I can't be bothered. I'd rather just drink a beer. But be that as it may, I do appreciate the 420. Satoshis, that is a way you can support the show. You can do it on zap.stream. Because I'm trying to to stream these live every single time. And you can just join me over there on zap.stream. And if you got a lightning wallet, you can throw me boost over there. Um, you can throw me boostograms on podcasting 2.0. It's a way to support the show, and I do appreciate it. And also, if you want to support somebody, you can get some coffee from the guys down at thegoodbeans.com in El Salvador. Real El Salvadoran coffee flown to your door and they take payments in Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. That's right, because they give good coffee. They want to take good money. If you get a chance to buy coffee from them, make sure that you tell them that you heard it here on the Bitcoin and podcast and, you know, maybe they'll work out a deal with me for the Circle P. That's right. That's where I try to highlight vendors that I know about that are selling stuff for Bitcoin that is built by their own hands. Now, on to the news. Speaking of Latin America, Bitcoin blockchain is fighting fraud in Guatemala's presidential elections. Oh joy, let's find out if this is just a bunch of BS or if there's something to it. Bitcoin Magazine, Pedro Zelke is writing this one. Bitcoin is helping secure the truthfulness of Guatemala's election results. Thanks to Open Timestamps, a tool created by Bitcoin developer Peter Todd a few years ago, Guatemalan tech startup Simple Proof is able to safeguard key documents about the country's presidential elections from fraud and tampering. Todd's tool, which leverages hash functions in the Bitcoin blockchain, is able to timestamp pieces of information and make it easier to spot attempts at fraud and manipulation. The idea of timestamping documents is old. Individuals and societies have relied on this technique for centuries to indicate when a document was signed, when a check was written, or when someone was born. 
Cryptographic timestamps, however, are much newer. They take the concept of human timestamping a step further by relying on math instead of a fallible and corruptible human being. Signatures can be forged by sophisticated actors, and authorities can be subject to different incentives, making them capable of being bribed or corrupted. Also, to err is human, while math makes no error if the correct algorithms are used. An example of a good algorithm is a hash function, a type of mathematical function that takes a variable-sized input to output a fixed-length result. This result is called the hash of that input. Hash functions are used in the Bitcoin network, notably in blocks that get added to the blockchain, as well as by open time stamps. So how does open time stamps actually work? Open time stamps leverages hash functions to cryptographically timestamp any piece of data into the Bitcoin blockchain. In this case, math is being leveraged to improve upon the use of human signatures or attestation and the Bitcoin blockchain is being used as a decentralized digital ledger to anchor that information, linking it to a block. This ensures tens of thousands of nodes in the network can all independently witness the existence of a timestamp anchor and be able to verify that indeed that hash was added to the block, which was mined at a certain time. Open timestamps works by hashing the information submitted by a given user and adding it to a Bitcoin block with a Bitcoin transaction. Since the Bitcoin's block hash is calculated, leveraging all of the information contained in that block, the timestamping data is necessary for the calculation of that block's hash. In other words, the assumption with the timestamping is that the miner must have necessarily started with that timestamp transaction to arrive at the block's hash. And this means that the information that was timestamped must have existed prior to that creation of that Bitcoin block. Since every Bitcoin block has a timestamp of its own, users can check the date and time that block was mined and be able to be assured with mathematical certainty that the document existed in a point in time prior to that block's timestamp. On its own, this assurance isn't that valuable. Sure, it lets someone prove that a piece of data existed prior to a given point in time, but how's this useful? Well, combined with other types of information and evidence, many things can be deduced from this simple assurance. For example, one can deduce that since the information existed before that Bitcoin block, any changes to that information were done after that time if its hash is different. The pieces of information and evidence necessary for more sophisticated conclusions need to be handled by the user because ultimately all that open timestamps provides is the proof of inclusion of a hash of that information in that Bitcoin block. Therefore, users that requested the timestamp should keep the original information in hand in case they want to prove their data matches that timestamp. Given the properties of hash functions, the same inputs always generate the same output. The hash will be the same if the information hasn't been altered. Thus, it becomes quite easy to tell if any alterations have been made to the original information because the hash would be different. Under the hood, timestamps don't put the hash of each individual piece of data being timestamped into Bitcoin. That would be expensive, as it would require one on-chain Bitcoin transaction for each timestamp. 
Instead, open timestamps leverages Merkle trees to compact that information as much as possible. Similar to how you can hash a large piece of information to arrive at a fixed length hash, you can hash two different hashes further and get a single hash. Likewise, you can start with four pieces of information, hash them individually, then hash them in pairs until you're left with only one hash. The value proposition of Merkle trees in this context is all about scaling this setup where you have a large number of individual pieces of information and you hash them until you're left with one hash, the root hash. Open timestamps takes this root hash and adds it to Bitcoin, distributing the cost of a single Bitcoin transaction to each initial piece of information that was submitted for timestamping and used to construct the tree. Users can still check that their individual hash was added and that ultimately their data was timestamped. They can leverage the Open Timestamps website or go full cypherpunk and hash all the data until they reach the tree's root hash and cross-check with the data that's on Bitcoin. What does any of this have to do with Guatemala? Well, Guatemala has a long history of corruption and fraud amid its political circles. Simple proof was implemented in that context by ITZ Data as an immutable backup solution for the Guatemalan Supreme Elections Tribunal, otherwise known as the TSE, which is the highest electoral authority in that country. Quote, the simple proof solution, named immutable backup, leverages the open timestamps protocol to record proofs of documents in a tamper-evident manner on the Bitcoin blockchain, Rafael Cordon, co-founder of Simple Proof, told Bitcoin Magazine. TSE used simple proof to safeguard official election documents to protect critical information from artificial intelligence and disinformation, ensuring that any tampering of documents is made evident and any citizen can independently verify the information for themselves. Guatemala's citizens can check any given tally sheet and verify its proof of timestamp through a dedicated web portal. Each sheet contains the sum of votes for each candidate at a voting poll. Therefore, transparency is provided to the population regarding the tally sheets that were scanned and used to count the votes, as well as when each tally sheet was timestamped. It is important to note that this setup cannot attest whether a given tally sheet is valid or not. There is still a trust assumption towards TSE. However, it is an improvement over just taking the officials for their word, as it is, for example, easier to spot outliers among all the tally sheets. Rather than being able to tell voters specific validity information for any single tally sheet, Open Timestamps allows an overview of the entire context of the elections. For example, it arguably shouldn't take more than an hour after voting ends to scan a tally sheet, upload it to Simple Proof Solution, and get a timestamped into a confirmed Bitcoin block. If the majority of the tally sheets fall within that hour, but if you were time stamped much longer after the closing of votes, it's reasonable to assume that those outlier sheets have a much greater chance of being fraudulent than the other ones. In other words, in the event that a tally sheet was entered much after it was supposed to, the timestamps are going to tell you that it is suspicious that it took that long to timestamp the sheet after the polls closed rather than less than one hour later. 
This was, and still is, being specifically or specially important in the context of Guatemala's elections because of the tension there was leading up to the race, as well as the outlier candidate who ended up winning it. President-elect Bernardo Arevalo was not expected to even qualify for the main race months before it took place. Once Arevalo won the presidential election, the outcry was massive. Officials from the office of the country's attorney general, Maria Consuelo Porras, raided facilities of the TSE, opening dozens of boxes of votes per the Associated Press. That was a report. The opposing party, the UNE, claimed the victory was fraudulent and demanded a vote recount. UNE posted a thread on X explaining their rationale with some alleged evidence, including a screenshot of one tally sheet on Simple Proof's website tool that showed it was time-stamped before the polls even closed. Either in an attempt to push their narrative or by mistake, the screenshot of that tally sheet was taken on a different time zone than the country's capital official time, leading to a one-hour difference. In this specific case, Bitcoin helped ensure the claims made by UNE were false and any citizen was able to verify it by checking the timestamp on their computer. Notably, one did, publishing a screenshot on X rectifying that the tally sheet UNE claimed had been tampered with had actually not been timestamped too early. While Bitcoin was designed and developed solely to solve the double-spend problem and achieve electronic peer-to-peer money, its network of nodes and decentralized ledger can power other interesting use cases. In this case, it's evident how Simple Proof played an important role in protecting key election information. Had open timestamps and Bitcoin not been part of the process of securing that information in a cryptographic, public, and decentralized manner, there could have been a much bigger outcry and tumultuous procedures to try to ensure the information had not been tampered with. Doubts would most likely still persist, and in a country with a history of fragile democratic procedures, the shaking of confidence could deter the president-elect's ability to lead the nation as its rightful new leader. All right, so that one was, it says down here at the bottom, it was uh, presented by Namcios, but up here at the top, what did it say? Who wrote it? Because this attestation is important. Oh, oh, Pedro Slitsky actually did the artwork for this particular piece in the banner art. Okay, so what does all this shit mean? Think about it this way. You're in Guatemala, you got elections. Let's say you have 100 polling places. So there will be 100 deliverables for that election. One deliverable for each polling place. That deliverable is what? The outcome of who voted for who. How many votes there were. How many votes for this guy. How many votes for that chick. How many votes for the other dude. Right? All like in the time that it was, you know, time that it was tallied. All that information is on this one deliverable. 100 polling places, 100 deliverables. Each one of those, that information. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky, but that information is entered, like let's say it's in a digital format, and it it damn well should be. That digital format in ASCII, you know, like the, the, you know, ASCII characters. It's like when you're typing in anything, you're basically using ASCII characters 
in a computer, right? They're, they have mathematical relationships. A has a certain value. B has another value. Even a blank space has an actual value. If you take that, then hash it, it's going to give you a particular hash. If you go back to that document and add a single period or just a single blank space, and then you rehash it, you will get a completely different hash. If you have 100 polling places and they have 100 deliverables, you have 100 hashes, you throw them all into a Merkle tree, and then you start hashing them two by two. So you hash hash them in pairs, and then you get two polling places. Their hat, their, the hash of one polling, polling place number one, the hash of polling place number two, ends up being a third hash. If any one of those two hashes changes, the third hash changes. See how this works? And then you hash them down all the way until you get a single hash. If anybody changes any one, of those documents, the final hash will hash differently. Somebody somewhere tampered with something. The timestamp itself is critical because if if you really are going to give them, it's like you have to have it done in an hour. And then that way you can scope out the outliers. It took five hours for this one polling place to deliver. Well, 99% of everybody else got their shit in yet this one outlier all of a sudden it flipped the election ah but it's five hours late that there's evidence there that you need to go look at this this works this isn't bananas on a blockchain this this actually has some effect for when it comes to stuff like political elections so it's it's good to see that peter todd's Work that he did so long ago did not, you know, die in vain. Let's see what I got here. Oh, Pablo F7Z. Thanks for joining in with your 422, by the way. Uh, man, this sort of shit should have been happening for years now, says Kid Warp. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. Dude, uh, is there anything else? Oh, Anon, thank you for 21. Kid Warp, thank you for 2.1 thousand. Ooh, nice. Uh, Kisa with your 21, DeFi Yogi with your 420, Pablo with your 420. Is anybody else? Okay, there there we go. I've, I have given attestation to all the people that are in the chat that have been so kind to zap me with their Satoshis. I do appreciate it. Pablo, I'm getting to Twexit or Exit.pub. That's going to be in the second part of the show. Let's just do this one first. Hacks, 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 and hacks. Wobi Global has been hacked for $7.9 million, according to a report. Uh, this is out of Cointelegraph, and it is written by Tom Blackstone. Wobi Global's HTX crypto exchange was indeed hacked on September the 24th, according to a report from blockchain analytics platform Cybers. A total of $7.9 million worth of crypto has been drained in that attack. A known Huobi hot wallet posted a message to the attacker in Chinese. According to the message, the exchange knows the identity of the attacker and has offered to let them keep 5% of the drained funds as a white hat bonus, but only if the attacker returns the remaining 95%. On September the 24th at 10 a.m. UTC, the suspected Huobi hot wallet 
and they give the wallet address, sent almost 5,000 ETH worth approximately $7.9 to an address which had no previous history. The following morning, a separate wallet belonging to Huobi sent a message to the attacker in Chinese, and it stated, according to a translation, we have confirmed your true identity. Please return the funds to, and they give a wallet address. We will provide you with the 5% white hat bonus. Offer is valid for seven days and ends on October the 2nd, 2023. If you do not return the funds by the deadline, we will request judicial intervention. Pausing to say bullshit. <laughs> you don't know who this person is. You have not confirmed their true identity. It's not that it's impossible. I'm just calling bullshit. That's a scare tactic. You know, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna leave your shit wide open to be hacked, I'm sorry, but relying on scare tactics is not going to get you your money back. Uh, Cybers reported the attack on September the 25th. The wallet that sent the message is identified as a Huobi hot wallet by blockchain analytics platform Arkham Intelligence. According to Cyber's Intelligence, the wallet that sent the message is listed on a Huobi support page as belonging to the exchange. Huobi investor Justin Sun <clears throat> confirmed the attack on the morning of September the 25th, stating HTX Global has suffered a loss of 5,000 ETH due to a hacker attack. Sun claimed that user funds are safe and the exchange is now functioning normally. Quote, HTX has fully recovered the losses incurred from the attack and has successfully resolved all related issues. So another attack, do not keep your shit on exchanges. It doesn't matter if you're a Bitcoiner or a shitcoiner. Get them off, get them off, get them off. It's not that hard. It really is not that hard. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you still have any appreciable amounts of Bitcoin on any exchanges. If you've got like a hundred bucks in a hot wallet, I'm not going to give you any shit. That's so, I mean, for me, that's okay. That's like spending money. But if you've got your life savings or what has become the, uh, like the preponderance of your life savings and it's on like Coindesk or what, well, not Coindesk, Coinbase, get it off. And if you, if you just have to degen trade, I don't know. Keep like 1% of your entire wealth and play with that. But other than that, man, get your shit off of exchanges because nobody has fixed a damn thing when it comes to this kind of crap. <clears throat> now, for anybody who is, it's around lunchtime, around central daylight time, if you're hungry, well, we got a French restaurant here that is seeking to drive Bitcoin adoption. They're accepting only BTC for high-end menu item. Okay, Bitcoin Magazine is written by Marie Potter Iaiva. There's no way I can pronounce that one. Can Bitcoin possibly rhyme with tradition? This new currency is so young and so different from the usual dollars and euros that for most people, it seems disconnected from the economic reality and even further from their lives. Despite the fact that paying with Bitcoin is not much more complicated than paying with a credit card, it looks like for the majority, it's still a quasi-esoteric experience, and there's definitely a psychological barrier to Bitcoin adoption. To lower this barrier, what can be better than associating Bitcoin with something that is widely acknowledged and cherished? Something with a reputation that speaks for itself, capable of pulling Bitcoin from its shadows of internet speculation and propelling it into the realm of legit alternative money? For the French people, traditional restaurants fit this role perfectly. 
especially when coupled with a rare digestive and a captivating story of craftsmanship and heritage. This is a story of how the centennial traditions of the Lyonnaise eating and drinking were harnessed to promote Bitcoin adoption. If there's one feature common to all Frenchies, it's their shared love for eating and drinking. They have been practicing these seemingly, seemingly uncomplicated things for, with so much passion and devotion that they have become an art. The city of Lyon is the capital of French gastronomy and a home to a staggering number of restaurants. And among them, the traditional bouchon holds a special place in the hearts of the French. Serving traditional food in a traditional setting, it is comforting both for the stomach and the soul. Like many bouchons, Comtois Brunet is the center of Ly- in the center of Lyon is a family-owned business dishing up Lyonnaise cuisine staples like andouillettes or chicken liver cake since 1934. It's different from others, however, in that it is now managed by a fervent Bitcoiner. Benjamin Baldassini fell down the rabbit hole five years ago after getting his IT degree. For a brief moment, he even considered contributing to the Bitcoin code base, but after the passing of his father, he was called to uphold the family tradition and decided to take over the restaurant. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. I'm pausing here to say good for you. So many potential family business traditions, not just family business, not just family traditions, a family traditional business something that you can leave to your children that is already has income. It's already there. They've just got to get it. They don't have to worry about the whole job hunt. But we've, oh, it's, society has brainwashed our kids into thinking, oh God, can't take over, can't take over the, the family ranch. You can't do farming because you're a redneck hayseed. No, 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 no. This is all bad, 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 bad. No, that's bullshit. I think we should be building businesses that our children can take over and and try to get them to understand that it's ready pay. It's already built. How just I just don't get it. So I'm just going to I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Um hold on for a second. Did they try crying harder? <laughs> oh, Pablo. Okay. Um sorry, I I got distracted there. I was reading the chat. I shouldn't do that. Okay. After ensuring he was well-equipped for perpetuating Lyon's rich gastronomic tradition and that the famous pike canelles in crayfish sauce were as fluffy as those served under his father's direction, the new restaurateur decided to bring Bitcoin into the picture. Enabling Bitcoin payments was the first thing to do, and as a true purist, instead of opting for an existing crypto payment solution for merchants— Benjamin put his IT degree to use and installed his own Bitcoin node, followed by BTC Pay Server, uh, developed by Nicholas Dorier, another Lyonnaise, and a regular contributor to Bitcoin projects. The free and self-hosted solution felt like the most natural choice, even if it did present some technical challenges. After the restaurant staff was equipped with Bitcoin and Lightning Network wallets and the door sign proudly announced Bitcoin accepted here, the crushing majority of customers continued paying their parsley sautéed frog legs in what? Euros. To encourage payments in Bitcoin, Benjamin went further and leveraged two other very French traditions, the aperitif and other exquisite liqueurs. 
Each first Wednesday of the month, French cities test their alarm system. In Lyon, this also signals the Bitcoin-only apéro at Bouchon Comtois Brunet. Much more than a simple pre-dinner drink, as its name would suggest, the apéro, short for aperitif, is an important part of life in France. The combination of a leisurely afternoon, snacks and wine or beer, makes for a great opportunity to gather with friends and remake the world. By imposing an aperitif paid only in Bitcoin, Café Brunet witnessed an impressive influx of the city's Bitcoiners. However, while offering the community a space to get together and spend their Bitcoin was a valuable contribution, Benjamin sensed he was still falling one step short of providing a concrete incentive for Bitcoin adoption. This is when he came up with a new way of introducing Bitcoin to newcomers and a very French way at that. The one that involves mountains, monks, and a centuries-old recipe of an herbal digestive. Connoisseurs might have already deduced that it was the chartreuse, a fine herbal spirit distilled by the Carhusen monks in the Chartreuse Mountains of southeastern France. The formula for this digestif, aged with 130 herbs and flowers, is a well-guarded secret, and authentic chartreuse is a rare drink to find. In fact, it's becoming even rarer now. Despite a great demand from the world's best bars and restaurants, particularly in the U.S., the monks have decided to reduce their production to maintain their spiritual health. After all, distilling chartreuse was never about business. It focused on preserving the knowledge and the heritage of the monastery, generating just enough money to sustain it, allowing monks to do their main job, pray and contemplate. The monks are selling their liqueur mainly to those who have been buying it in the past, never exceeding prior quantities. This makes the list of chartreuse resellers extremely small. And as it happens, Bouchon Comtois Brunet is on it. The restaurant receives a fixed number of chartreuse bottles every year, including the very rare Reine de Liqueurs, the queen of liqueur. This is what Benjamin decided to leverage. Now... Those who wish to taste the unmatched Reine de Liqueur must procure themselves some sats first. This coveted and rare liqueur is used as a means of promoting payments with equally coveted and rare money, Bitcoin. Admittedly, there's a certain elegance to this approach. As any currency, Bitcoin needs to be used. And the work that is done by Benjamin and people like him all over the world to encourage Bitcoin payments is extremely important. Even more so. When this work is supported by the power of traditions honoring the legacies of the generations of Lyonnais cooks and chartreuse monks. In hindsight, Benjamin could not have made a better choice for promoting Bitcoin than becoming a restaurateur. I would have to agree. So, uh, just a few words about that is that, you know, like it's an interesting take. Uh, because what he's not doing is he's he's not doing one of the following. A very American thing to do with Bitcoin is offer a discount if you if you uh, pay in Bitcoin. And then we have the entire counter argument from other American Bitcoiners that said, no, 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 no. You offer a premium. You have to pay a premium if you pay in dollars. Bitcoin is your base price. So if you always charged, I don't know, let's say 10 bucks for your kick-ass cheeseburger at your cheeseburger restaurant is $10 cheeseburger and you decided to add Bitcoin. If you want to pay in Bitcoin, you still pay 10 bucks. You pay 12.50 if you pay in USD. All right. So 
That was a different way for Americans to start thinking because most of us went the discount route for Bitcoin. This guy's not even doing that. He's saying, look, I got a menu on an item that you can't even have unless you buy it in Bitcoin. If you offer me euros, I will not give it to you. If you offer me dollars, you can't have it. If you offer a Visa card, no, you are not getting chartreuse. The only way you're getting me to pour this shit out of this bottle is if you pay with Bitcoin. There's no discount. There's no premium. You just can't have it unless you pay in Bitcoin. That's an interesting and very non-American way of thinking about it. And I appreciate this particular article in giving some of us maybe a new way of thinking about how can we drive adoption? Do we have to offer a premium? Do we have to include a discount? Or can we just simply say, no, dude, I got all kinds of shit for sale, but this, no, 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 this is special. And you're going to pay with Bitcoin for it, or you're not going to get it at all. Just saying. Uh, I'm not going to talk about inscriptions. Oh, you know what? This one is going to be, this one is probably worth it because we were just talking about paying in Bitcoin. What about getting paid in Bitcoin? According to Coindesk and a guy named Bradley Kuhn, almost all crypto employees take their pay in fiat, according to a Pantera study. Many crypto industry employees believe that cryptocurrencies will eventually play a much larger role in the overall financial and payment system. For now, though, almost all of them take their salaries in government-issued fiat currencies. Some 97% of people in the nascent industry are paid a base salary in fiat, while only 3% are paid in crypto, according to a new study from Pantera Capital, a digital investment firm. The 2023 compensation data was based on 1,046 responses. And of those who got paid in crypto, the vast majority took the pay in the dollar-linked stablecoin USDC and USDT, with 13% opting for Bitcoin. The median pay globally among 570 engineers surveyed was $120,000, with those in North America getting $193,000 up 1.5% versus the prior year, according to the study. That compares with an estimated $166,000 for engineers in North America in traditional tech or Web 2 roles. Senior engineers in Web 3 make slightly more than their peers in Web 2, the Pantera report concluded. Roughly 88% of roles in the crypto industry are remote, according to the study contrasted with one estimate of 28% in Web 2 roles. Quote, due to the global distribution, we do not anticipate a push in crypto to return to the office, the authors wrote. Executives make 143000 to 335000 a year, depending on their company's stage. One in five respondents reported also receiving an initial package of token incentives, averaging $89,000 for non-executive positions and $1.3 million for executives. Of course, crypto markets are volatile, so the actual values of the packages can fluctuate substantially. Quote, as a note, it's important to keep in mind that this figure is subject to a vesting schedule, and without knowing the respective valuation and timing, this number could be taken out of context, according to the report. So most people are getting paid in fiat. We all know and love Bitcoin, and that's what we keep saying that we want to get paid in. But where are we right now? 
and I'm not saying that we shouldn't get paid in Bitcoin. We live in a very fiat world. And, you know, Bitcoin's 14, 15 years old. Do how many of us do, how many of, of us in the Bitcoin world expect 15 years to overturn a couple of millennia? Right. Okay. Let's, I'll just, I'll give you seven centuries, 700 years of what we can definitely term as bullshit money. Actually, let's get even more conservative. 400 years. Let's go to 400 years. The last 400 years has been replete with bullshit fiat money. Either we're clipping coins or we're recasting and making alloys out of gold or we're just flat out not having the gold in the vaults for the amount of paper money that's actually issued into the world, 400 years. We're 15 years into this. And for those people that would read this article and get pissed, I say to you, do not let your hearts be troubled. You've got 15 years as the David fighting 400 years of bullshit as the Goliath. David's going to have to sit there and pick his shot. Throw that stone in the thong and swirl, start whirling that thing around and get a good head of steam on it before he lets that rock fly. It will eventually hit Goliath. Goliath will fall and David will chop his head off. We call it cephalic depletion or You know, it's the thing that the guillotines do for us. But he did it all, you know, up close and personal-like. So it will happen. And everybody's like, but when? I don't know. I have no idea when. I don't know how much people, the human species, can actually take with being degraded, turned into demented fools, being lied to. I don't know how much we can actually take, but it's a hell of a lot more than I thought. And it's possible that it could be a hell of a lot more than even that. You know what? Screw it. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities, they got oil up almost a point, $90.45 per barrel. I got Brent North Sea up three quarters of a point, $93.99 a barrel. Natural gas is down a point, $2.61 per thousand cubic feet. And gas is up 0.78% to $2.56 a gallon. All of the shiny metal rocks are having a bad day. Gold is down almost a point to 1919 and 90 cents. Silver is down three quarters of a point to 2320. Platinum is down 1.16%. Copper is down a half. Palladium is also down a half. Ag is almost fully mixed. Uh, most are in the green, but there's plenty of red there too. The biggest loser today is sugar, 1.35% to the downside. Biggest winner today is going to be rough rice, 1.14% to the upside. I got live cattle down over a point. Lean hogs are down a half and feeder cattle are down damn near 2%. Dow is not looking good, 0.83% to the downside. S&P is down just over a point. NASDAQ is down over a point and the S&P mini is down just under a point at this time of day. 
$26,236.82 is what I'm getting for a price on Bitcoin. I got a median, tran- no, an average transaction value of 0.86 BTC. And oh, thank God, median transaction values are back up to, you know, some kind of economic vitality. 302 United States dollars per median transaction value. That means that people are actually buying something other than doing shit like trading ordinals and all that bullshit, which is evidenced also by mempool, which we'll see. Nine minutes and 52 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. That's a little low, but pretty much spot on. I got 0.2 BTC taken in fees on per block basis, 30 taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And after a 0.77 rise, percent rise in hash rate, we're back at 410, 410.7 exahashes per second to be exact. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 6.1 United States pennies. $511 billion is the market cap. That is 3.98% of gold's market cap. You may purchase 13.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,496,374.29 of, and 4,406.3 and of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $115.5 million, being run over 16,028 nodes that we know about, sporting 66,008 payment channels that we can see. And holy shit, we've ticked up above 80% for everything being run over Tor. 81.1%, in fact, is what most of the Lightning Network is running over. That's 81.1% of all the Lightning Network is being run over Tor. And that's, that's good news. As is some mempool calculations, people apparently got tired of trading bullshit inscriptions, I guess, because we only now have a hundred and, I don't know, 57 blocks. Uh, no, wait, 157, yeah, 157 blocks carrying 332,000 unconfirmed transactions. High priorities uh, transactions are going for 28 Satoshis per V-byte, low priorities for 18. Anything under five and three quarters Satoshi per V-byte is being purged from mempools around the world. Now, what does mining have to say for mempool.space? 396.2 exahashes per second. So there you go. I am in the top 10 on fountain charts due to people like letter 6173 with 17,000 Satoshis. Thank you, brother. Congratulations on 800 episodes. You do an amazing daily service. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wartime Psycho with 13,333 says, hello again. It's time for the Grand Rapids, Michigan Bitcoin meetup tomorrow, Wednesday, the 27th at 6 p.m. at the factory co-working space on Monroe. We welcome all experience levels for newbies to advanced. Come meet plebs and have a drink at the nearby bar afterwards. Be there. Again, that's Grand Rapids, Michigan. Bitcoin meetup tomorrow, Wednesday, the 27th at 6 p.m. at the factory co-working space on Monroe. Bubba with 10,000 says, how about this? Quit spending time on Twitter. Noster, all of them. Why doesn't everybody just shut the fuck up? Have some real personal relationships. Just fucking saying for the hundredth time, most are not even saying anything important. Just shut the fuck up on the internet. Pitar says, Amen. That's what he is. That's his reply to Bubba. Uh, Wartime Psycho replies, All my homies note on Noster. I hear you, brother. Dubrovko with uh, uh, 1140 Satoshi says, Dude, 
Even the word guillotine was first incorrected, auto-spelled to something else. Then, just that word was reported back to me as something or another from Facebook. I had the option to delete it or post anyways. Yeah, that's really odd. User with a ton of numbers says with 500 sats, a couple of emojis, and I can't read them because my Windows is out of date. I know, I'm embarrassed. God's Death with 370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And Pies with 100 sats says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for, well, the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin insurance company Anchor Watch raises $3 million to bring multi-sig mainstream. Bitcoin magazine Nick Hoffman is writing it. Anchor Watch, a leading insurer specializing in safeguarding Bitcoin holdings for commercial entities, announced a successful $3 million funding round today. The round was led by 1031 with notable participation from Axiom BTC, Bitcoin Magazine Fund, Time Chain, Bitcoin Opportunity Fund, and other investors. The infusion of capital will empower AnchorWatch to fulfill regulatory requirements and capital needs, paving the way for the launch of its Trident Vault software and the sale of insurance policies tailored for Bitcoin hodlers. AnchorWatch's Trident Vault software represents another innovative solution for Bitcoin custody, combining protocol-native custody with high-quality regulated insurance coverage. This addresses a critical gap in the Bitcoin market, providing greater confidence and security to BTC owners. Trident Vault is a Bitcoin vault designed exclusively for commercial use. It streamlines remote team workflows, introduces key holder seniority, and features time-lock spending conditions, thereby enhancing compliance and governance on-chain. Quote, Bitcoin owners are still faced with the binary choice between self-custody and third-party sole custodian, said Robert Hamilton, co-founder and CEO of AnchorWatch. Quote, In the case of the latter, high-risk trading strategies, or worse, blatant fraudulent activities, have resulted in catastrophic losses for customers. Thus, they are hesitant to rely on the commercial key holder to deliver the services as promised. AnchorWatch makes owning and holding the bearer asset practical, safe, easy, secure, and verifiable. End quote. Thank God it wasn't suit speak. That's all I got to say. AnchorWatch achieves collaborative custody through two key mechanisms. Firstly, Trident Vault facilitates assisted custody by holding a minority of keys and implementing protocol-level governance and compliance. This method enhances security by dispersing custody across different physical locations and unrelated entities, mitigating risks from events like fires, floods, and theft by internal and external factors. Secondly, Anchor Watch embeds regulated property insurance directly into Trident vaults. This insurance ensures that assets are protected in the event of catastrophic incidents through regulated and collateralized property insurance. Thanks to Trident's advanced security, Anchor Watch can provide this insurance at competitive rates. Jonathan Kirkwood, managing partner at 1031, highlighted the significance of Anchor Watch's approach. Quote, Anchor Watch is building both the technical infrastructure to advance Bitcoin's potential as programmable money and the credential or sorry, excuse me, and the credentialed legal financial infrastructure for Bitcoin to be held by commercial institutions via its insurance offerings. 
This is a pivotal step that directly aligns with our mission at 1031 to establish Bitcoin as a viable asset for institutions and investing in the companies at the forefront of innovating in the ecosystem, end quote. Anchor Watch caters to a diverse range of clients, including family trusts, funds, uh, pensions, uh, family offices, Bitcoin miners, and mining pools. The Trident Vault is especially valuable for estate and inheritance planning purposes, serving estate attorneys, investment advisors, and technical advisors who oversee multiple clients' Bitcoin custody needs. AnchorWatch's commitment to advancing Bitcoin custody and insurance solutions positions them at the forefront of the Bitcoin industry, ready to provide much-needed security and peace of mind for Bitcoin holders. Oh, well, okay. So insurance is sort of a lagging industry for Bitcoin. So it's good to see that at least somebody, somebody's got their ever-loving ship together. And it's good to see that 1031 is on board with kind of helping these guys out. I appreciate those guys over there at 1031. Do not appreciate Microsoft for the following, however. <clears throat> this is out of Decrypt. Uh, written by Andrew Hayward, Minecraft creator Notch, quote, glad they're cracking down on Bitcoin reward servers. God dang it. Minecraft has recently updated its usage guidelines to ban play-to-earn models and token gating functionality on fan-operated game servers, clearing the way for developer Mojang to reportedly threaten action against a server that paid players in Bitcoin. A prominent figure has now come out in support of Mojang's move, Minecraft creator Marcus Notch Person. Notch, who uh, sold Mojang and the Minecraft intellectual property to Microsoft back in 2014, replied in a tweet about Decrypt's article covering the Bitcoin server. Quote, I'm glad they're cracking down on nonsense like this. God fucking Notch. Decrypt asked Notch for further clarification on his stance regarding Minecraft servers that utilize play-to-earn and NFT gating features, but did not immediately hear back. Satlantis, an independent, fan-operated Minecraft server that paid players Bitcoin rewards for completing in-game tasks, announced on Friday that it would remove the earning feature after receiving a demand letter from Mojang. In a Discord post, Satlantis founder David DeNero said that Mojang threatened to block our server IP and cease and desist our server host if we didn't comply. Satlantis removed the feature and said it would migrate the experience to a different gaming platform. Microsoft has not yet replied to Decrypt's request to confirm the takedown request. Minecraft's usage guidelines were updated recently to add new restrictions around blockchain functionality. Player-run servers for the game cannot utilize play-to-earn models that let players, quote, earn real-world or out-of-game currency or in-game currency that can be cashed out for real-world currency, end quote. Additionally, Minecraft finally implemented its long-awaited ban on using NFT ownership to restrict access to in-game features. That ban was announced in July of 2022, but has not been or hadn't been implemented until nearly a year later. It is now in full effect. Microsoft bought Mojang and the Minecraft IP in 2014 for $2.5 billion and notched a part of the studio he founded as a billionaire. Forbes estimated his current personal fortune at $1.2 billion. 
Notch has not been officially involved with Minecraft since and was apparently blocked from attending the game's 10-year anniversary event in 2019 following a string of controversial and transphobic comments on Twitter. I, I, I don't care. Why, why the hell is that even in this article? I don't give a shit what Notch was doing on his Twitter account, but apparently some people do. The only thing I care about is the fact that he went after it by saying, it's, it's, I'm glad somebody finally blocked this nonsense. Well, first of all, it's not nonsense, but it is quite outside the terms of service of being able to have Minecraft as like a fan run thing. It's like, sure, I get it. It's your server. You're paying for it. But Minecraft is, love it or hate it, it's intellectual property, guys. It's You don't own it legally. And if you're using it outside of the boundaries of what the intellectual property holders require for that intellectual property to be used, well, then you're going to get tagged. I just don't understand why Notch called it nonsense. It's really interesting that somebody who has been in you know video games for that long just absolutely has a conniption fit when it comes to the possibility of, I don't know, making some actual money in a game. So I don't know what's going on with Notch. I really don't give a shit because now it's Pablo's turn. Pablo, you're up, brother. Pablo F7Z comes up with exit. Port your X data into Noster. This is out of no bullshit Bitcoin. Exit is a bridge that lets users migrate their X data or Twitter like old posts, threads, and replies over to Noster. Quote, you broke up with your ex. It wasn't treating you well. Maybe it was shadow banning you or your friends. It was manipulating you into becoming your worst possible self. But over the years, you accrued a bunch of quality shit posts and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom. Introducing Exit.Pub, the last bridge that you'll need to port over your data into the new world of decentralized freedom tech, announced Pablo F7Z. So how do you use it? Well, download your Twitter archive. And then if you get your Twitter archive, part of that, it will, well, it'll come in a zip file. You uncompress it and then just use exit.pub, P-U-B, to import your data into Noster. The features, original dates are used. Whatever you posted in 2009 will show up as posted in Noster in 2009. Granular control of which tweets to import, like threads, non-replies, replies. Value for value, you choose how much your shit posts are worth. It should preserve embedded images. Granular control of which relays that you want to publish to are also included. Now, I've, I went over here, Pablo. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Uh, I was racing you to see if I could finish this feature before you would get to this part. Uh, and he won. Okay, so that may explain the following. When I saw that this whole thing announced this morning, um, I, I went to it. And I had downloaded like, you know, last year and a couple of years ago, like I've had a couple of Twitter accounts be banned. And, you know, while I was thinking clearly, I was able to get at least, you know, most of my data uh, from those Twitter accounts down in the archive. And 
I, you know, so it, I've got, you know, my you know, a whole bunch of tweets from BENND77, which is my first Twitter account from 2011. And then after I got banned, I started Ghost of Nunya and I got some of that archive down there. And I uploaded the, the, the JSON file, the .js file, like I was instructed to. And it pretty much did nothing. It just sat there and said, I'm publishing to relays. And then it just kind of, well, nothing actually got published that I could see. Of course, you know, I, I have to be patient and I expect everybody to be patient. The the thought of, you know, trying to republish, uh, I don't know, thousands of tweets. That's a, that's a big job. Okay. Let's, let's not, let's not paper over the fact that the job that Pablo is actually requiring relays to do is kind of a big thing. And when you've got multiple people doing it, all of a sudden you've got a shit ton of data flying around and relays are going, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. <clears throat> but it also may be of what he said. He said, um, he had, okay. I'm looking over here on zap.stream. Uh, and he said, uh, he's laughing, I guess, from what I just said. And he said, try again. I had a bug when I launched it, Pablo, I will do, but, 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 but we have to take the bad with the good. Pablo, here's, well, here, here's an, here's an actual issue that somebody has with the philosophy of Noster given this tool. Um, let me see if I can make sure, make sure that I've got it because this is important. It, it may sound, yeah, here, here's the thing. It's going to sound like somebody like Jim is being an asshole. Okay. Jim's is sounding like he's going to be an asshole, but he makes a very good point and we should listen to what Jim's has to say. If I can make it look like I posted a note in 2009, then I guess we can't trust a note's date to be accurate. That's a shame. Trust was a big part of this for me. The man has a point. So that, I mean, and it's not that anybody's at fault. It's just that have we uncovered or has Pablo uncovered an issue with Noster that, it, that the dates could be arbitrary? And if they are, that kind of, that's, that's kind of an issue. I don't know if it's an actual problem. It's not going to stop me from using Noster. I love Noster. I am not going to stop using that thing ever. And honestly, I mean, there are times, but there are only a handful of times where I could really, really need to rely on a date that something occurred. So it'd be interesting to see Okay, it's like Pablo says, that's the reality of Noster. No, you can't trust the created underscore at. He's talking about that particular property in the protocol that basically contains the date. And if we can't trust it, it's at least good that we know that. There's a lot of people running around thinking that they can trust everything that they see. And that's not always the case. And it is not the case here. And Pablo just uncovered that for us in a very real in a very real way with a very to, with a tool that is probably going to be extraordinarily useful for people. Now here's the other issue that I have. And and like I said, Pablo, I love you. I don't get me wrong. The the whole reason that I bring up both sides of something is so that people have a better chance of being able to call their own shots as to how they want to move forward. I'm neither for nor against this whole dating thing. I love this tool. I can't wait to use it, but it does bring me 
to a place where I must gather myself and give pause. Do I really want some of the stupid shit that I said on Twitter to be ported over into Noster? Noster gave me a clean slate, dudes. It did. It gave me a clean slate. I, you know, for all the times that I was half hammered under the Christmas tree, just, you know, tweeting shit out and getting banned on Twitter. Do I really want that over on Noster? I mean, because it, like the, some of the stuff that I get banned for was just dumb. It wasn't even, if it was poignant, like I uncovered like some kind of weird, you know, conspiracy that yeah, I was able to prove that it was completely true and the powers that be hammered me for it, then yeah, I would want that over on Noster. But one of the reasons I got like laid off of, you know, Twitter was because I kept saying mass formation psychosis, like on like, you know, uh, was it December 31st, the night of December 31st and early into the morning of January 1st, we were, we were like a whole bunch of us were flooding. And then I told a, a journalist to have fun up against a wall. And that was it. That was it for me. Do I really want that shit over on Noster? Do I want to waste relays doing that? So here's what I would propose. Pablo, and and I, you're already too busy anyway. So I'm not going to propose it. I'm just saying what I would, what would have been cool is a way for me to like, just maybe get the first 10, the first 100, you know, in there. But then again, I don't need Pablo to do that, do I? No, I can. There's several parsing tools for JSON files where I can go in and I can parse those things and I can start looking at them. I can. There's uh, there's a tool that I'm pretty sure I can throw it into a spreadsheet like Excel and just look at what was written in the act. I don't need to know the date or time or anything. I just need to know what was written, right? Like, did I say something stupid or not? And that could be in its own little thing. Then I can go through and select which ones that I want. It's, it's a, you can do this yourself. I don't really need Pablo to do this. I can reconstruct a, a .js file to include only the shit that I want, and then I can put that one in there. I, I can send that one over to exit. But if you have not checked out exit.pub, go check out exit.pub, but think hard as to whether or not you actually want all your shit that you ever said on Twitter to be flooding into Noster. All right. Just, just think about it. All right. You may, but then again, you may not. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying now, um, let's see. I don't, I want to get rid of that. Oh, gigasats, the Bitcoin marketplace for freelance services. Again, from no bullshit, Bitcoin gigasats, is a marketplace that allows individuals to offer their skills and services for payment in Bitcoin using the Lightning Network. Quote, released Gigasats version 0.2.0, a marketplace where people can offer their skills and services for payment in Bitcoin. Mark noun support when create slash edit tasks and profile. You can add links. An explicit confirmation will always appear for external domains. Withdraw BTC with QR code thanks to the U or LN URL protocol. Display user activity status. Get notified via email in real time about all updates related to your tasks, offers, and withdrawals. And so I go over to uh, gigasats.com. That's right, gigasats.com. And I can see like a list of tax, uh, uh, tasks like 
Uh, this dude will, if you follow their Twitter account, they'll give you 50 sats. The, a lot of these are just testing, but it's like a list of different things. You can create an account and earn a hundred points for a hundred you know, or a hundred sats. Uh, Twitter, if you retweet this the particular thing, you get one sat. Uh, master self custody with guided consults, one million satoshis. And there's six offers. Let's go find the offers on that. Cause one, yeah, that's $261, brother. Um, let's see. There has been four submitted offers. None have been accepted. Let's see what the comments might say. I will help you. I will help you with proper self-custody for a million sats. Somebody else wrote back. Yeah, I wanted the same thing. What exactly is being offered here? And then, okay, so the timestamps are going up rather than down. So I read the last one first. The first one written is, um, you're going to pay me 1 million sats to learn how to use self-custody. Sounds like a great deal. Hook me up. The whole point of GigaSats is is that it's a marketplace for you to be able to sell shit. It's just done in a different way. And guess what? I can sign in with not my Noster, but with a LN URL message that I can do direct from my Lightning node. I hold my own full node. I did it yesterday. It worked perfectly. So I'm I'm totally sick of the actual, like I went and started an account on Rumble today. And all I wanted was that single sign up button that allowed me to use my Noster NPUB key to do it with, or, or NSEC and NPUB keys to do it with. And it wasn't there. So I had to go through all the rigmarole and, you know, email confirmation and all like the whole, everything. And it's just fucking pissing me off. So thank God for being able to sign in with stuff like GetAlby and thank God for LNURL and other ways to sign in to services and websites using your Bitcoin Lightning wallet or full node. Uh, Note by River. What what do we got here? Uh, Something's going on with River. Oh, speaking of LNURL, River Lightning launched LNURL payments making it easier to send and receive Bitcoin. Here's a real world case. Donate directly to the Human Rights Foundation using the LNURL QR code below or this lightning address. Donate at hrf.riverlightning.com. And this note, which is on Noster, comes with a QR code that you can scan or you can just use donate at hrf.com dot riverlightning.com to test it out. But river is now offering LN URL payments. Thank God. I'm really glad to hear that. All right. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. Dad says jokes. I had a crazy dream last night. I was swimming in an ocean of orange soda. Turns out it was just a fantasy. Yeah, (laughs) terrible joke. Pablo is correcting me. 
I was making an assumption that I should not have made because when I was using exit.pub, it was not working because there was a slight bug in it, which has now apparently been fixed. But I was making the assumption because it wasn't going any further that I was going to be uploading my entire .js file. That, according to Pablo, is not the case because he says it doesn't import all of it. It imports what you choose. So I gather that the step that I didn't see yet after giving exit.pub my JS file was that there would be a, okay, here's what I see. You can choose what to send over. Pablo, if that's what is actually going on, please let me know over here in zap.stream. And I will give you the plea as I normally do. Please, please, please support the show. And if you can't do it through Podcasting 2.0, at least throw me a five-star review over on Apple uh, Podcast because, honestly, it helps. Is it using the legacy system? Yeah. Will I use the legacy system to help me out? Yes. Will Will I use the legacy system to crush my enemies, see them driven before me, and hear the lamentations of the women? No. I don't have to do that. But... If you can use it to give me a five-star review over on Apple, it actually does help the spread of the show. And I don't want to stop doing the show. I don't want to stop doing the show. I just don't want to stop doing the show. However, this thing makes me absolutely nothing. I do this because I love you guys. If you guys love me back, throw me some sats. Throw me some sats. Throw me some sats. And you can do that if you can through Podcasting 2.0. Hell, you can just zap me over on Noster. Just say, I love the show or something like that. Let me know it's about the show, right? And if any of you guys have a good or service that you would like me to advertise to my constantly shrinking audience base, (laughs) I think it's the bear market more than anything else. I was kicking ass there for a little while, but man, over the last few months, oh my God, it's just gotten bad. But I do think it's more about the bear than anything else. But if you have a good or service that you want presented in the circles P, let me know. Throw me a note on Noster. Uh, just, yeah, throw me a note on Noster or, or give me a DM on Noster. I will look at what it is you're selling and you may, you know, you may get into the circle P. I love being able to give other people that can't normally afford a platform, a platform. Because we all need to help each other. This is how we do circular economies. This is how we grow Bitcoin. This is how we grow the no. With all that said, I'll see you on the other side. Money printer go, money printer go, money printer, money printer, money printer go. Während die money printer Maschine läuft, kauf ich im Hintergrund Satoshis und geh all in Bitcoin. Ja, 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 jetzt wird wieder in die Hände gespuckt. Es wird wieder money, money, ohne Ende gedruckt. Yeah, Sparen ist so vintage, jetzt wird geprintet. Instant, wir brauchen noch mehr Tinte, no limit. Miss Lagarde ist in Fahrt, printet hart. Unser Geld ist wieder da, völlig im Arsch. Die EZB wie ein Jockey, die machen Die sind wie Frieren beim Hockey und es geht Auf zum Galopp, kauf dein Stock, pump it up Wert von Fiat Money existiert ausschließlich in dem Kopf Geldmengenbestände verdoppler Zentralbanken machen den Heli, 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 Helikopter Money Printer go, Money Printer go Money Printer, Money Printer, Money Printer go Während die Money Printer Maschine läuft Kauf ich im Hintergrund Satoshis und geh on in Bitcoin Money Printer go, Money Printer go Money Printer, Money Printer, Money Printer go Während die Money Printer Maschine läuft, kauf ich im Hintergrund Satoshis und geh all in Bitcoin.
Money Printer, Happy Winter, wie stark Strom, Kabeldraht am Fassen zitter. Money Printer, Presse baut Druck auf, wie Heroin-Junkies im Suchtrausch, Kapitaldruck zahlt. Nur ein, zwei Kassenkombinationen erschaffen Millionen raus, die Kaufkraft wird der Masse gestohlen. Money Printer läuft in Endlosschleife, Branded Scheine, M2 steigern, Geld verschleifend. Ich kauf angstlos Mercedes, weil belangloses Cash kriegt die Banknote 6, wird an Handnot ersetzt. Gib mir Money Print, mehr Money out of thin air, kann Tillionär gewinnt mehr. Jetzt wird nachgeladen, die Bazooka schussbereit. Schalte den Drucker ein, ruckzuck, spuck ein Schein. Spiel Automaten, hol alles aus der Maschine raus. Mach den fucking Fiat Sound. Money Printer go, Money Printer go, Money Printer, Money Printer, Money Printer go. Während die Money Printer Maschine läuft, kauf ich im Hintergrund Satoshis und geh all in Bitcoin. Mach, 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 Money Printer go, Money Printer go, Money Printer, Money Printer, Money Printer go. Während die Money Printer Maschine läuft, kauf ich im Hintergrund Satoshis und geh all in Bitcoin. Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.